First up on the program, though, Simon Tam. He gained national attention in 2009 for his fight to trademark the name of his band. Tam, an Asian-American activist and musician, had named his group The Slants as a way to re-own what had been used as a racial slur against his community. But the U.S. Patent Office denied Tam's request for a trademark on the band's name due to a law barring trademarks on what the government deems offensive. He took the case to the Supreme Court and he won after more than a decade of legal battles. Tam is going to speak at the Henry Ford Museum this Saturday on his legal fight. Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire spoke with him about how art and activism can change history. The idea began in 2004 and it began with a film. So when I was watching the movie Kill Bill, you know, from Quentin Tarantino, it was around that time period that, like, uh, it was a I realized that was the first time I had ever seen an American-produced film that showed Asians as cool, confident, and sexy. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that was decades before Crazy Rich Asians, always maybe or fresh off the boat, were, were demonstrating representation for Asian Americans. So I thought, wow, if Hollywood is bad, then, then the music industry seems to be worse. I mean, there's over... 17 million Asian Americans, and I couldn't think of one that had ever been featured on Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, Spin Magazine, or even MTV back when they used to play music videos. So it was that night when I watched the film in my little Portland, Oregon apartment that I realized something needed to change. And that's when the idea for the band was born, this idea that we could have a band that would provide a bold portrayal of Asian American culture. When you guys began the group, as you began touring, you started doing kind of uh, workshops um, on social justice and things like that. I, I really love that that aspect has been a part of the band for so long. That part of it didn't come immediately. Um, I, you know, the, the idea originally was that we would have this band and we would provide representation for identity, something that I didn't really see. But I didn't really set out to be an activist band until I announced the group. And this is before I even had a lineup. I just had an idea for an Asian American band and I created a MySpace page for it. So let's you know how far back this thing goes. But the moment I did that, I started getting all these letters from kids across this country saying, thank you. Like, thank you for existing. Thank you for showing me that I could be something else. And when that happened, I realized that whether we liked it or not, we we're going to be held to the standard and and that it meant so much to these kids, kids who had been bullied just like me as a kid. And so I decided to enroll in classes on anti-racism work and on counseling. And I just tried to figure out, like, what could we do? And and so that's when I, I thought, okay, when we launch this thing, I want to start getting involved with community organizations. And as, as a result, I kind of figured out what those issues were, what what we needed to bring some more light to them, and what we could do as a, um, to to help play that role. So that's why we started doing workshops at cultural festivals and, and doing talks and and doing things like that. Um, it, it it was almost like this very kind of organic process. I think had I known in the very very beginning what it would all entail, I probably would have been a little too intimidated for it and wouldn't have even felt ready for it. But because needs kept popping up, like I remember hearing news of um, these kids that were getting violently attacked in the school system in in, in Pennsylvania, Uh, I I just 
called them. I, I tracked down the information and reached uh, their teacher. They put me through to the kids, and they just started speaking with them. And I'm like, what do you need? Like, what can we do to help you? Or, you know, I'd find out that there were families struggling uh, to escape North Korea. I found an organization that worked with them and said, okay, what, what can we do to help you? And so it, it, it just became an inherent part of this process of, like, we're going to use our platform in any way that we can to help advance these ideas of justice because that was just that just became a part of who we were. I think it's really amazing that uh, you sort of intuitively were preparing for what was going to be taking over the next, you know, decade of your life or so and taking yourself and the band to this national sort of viral level. Because you named the band The Slants, you had a lot of trouble with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So um, I didn't realize it's a really common part of a process when a band begins taking their work to a national level that they reach out, they trademark for merchandise purposes and for album purposes and everything. Uh, the name was rejected. Uh, can you take us through what, why, and what happened next? So when we applied, the, the Trademark Office rejected our name because they said that our name was disparaging to persons of Asian descent. There's this old bit of law, they call it Section 2A of the Lanham Act, and it says you can't register trademarks that the government considers scandalous, immoral, or disparaging. The interesting thing, though, is that for them to reject you on this law, they have to find what's called a a substantial composite of the reference group. And in this case, that would be Asian Americans. But they did not find a single Asian American that was actually offended by our use of the name. And they instead relied on a single entry from UrbanDictionary.com. And for them, that was sufficient. And so even though we fought back uh, with community surveys, academic reports, executive directors of numerous Asian American organizations and hundreds of Asians writing in, the government said that wasn't good enough because they knew better than us. Yeah. And what did it feel like to, you know, this law is in place um, you would imagine to protect people. But as an Asian American, you're trying to take back what had been a racial slur. You're trying to reown this identity and then having, you know, being told by this bureaucracy that you, that's no, you can't do that. I mean, it felt incredibly degrading and, and paternalistic that you had um, all these non-Asian people telling me what was best for, for my community. It, it's not something that's like, we're strangers to. I mean, for, for my whole life, for, for multiple generations, we had the government doing this. This is the same government that basically told my family that we couldn't live anywhere except in Chinatowns. And they banned people like my great-grandfather, who's an American citizen in the 1800s, from being able to own land in California. Or they were the same government that told you know, my singer's family, that even though, you know, his grandpa was an American citizen, that it was okay to put him in a concentration camp because he had Japanese heritage. So it was not like something that that Asian Americans were, (laughs) that we have not experienced before. But we would have hoped that due to raising awareness of civil rights, that we should have a little bit more agency than that, that we should have this just ultimate dignity of being able to choose what's best for our community without someone telling us that they know better. 
eventually you ended up at the Supreme Court. And, and during all this time, um, you know, in your memoir, you're talking about the band is, is trying to tour. You're trying to write songs and create albums like a band wants to do and does. But you also have this other side where you're fighting this huge court case that's getting tons and tons of attention. Uh, what kind of toll did that take on the band and, and yourself? I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult to describe, but... Um... You know, I will say that by the time I got to D.C., I was the only original band member left. They don't join bands to, to, to fight a court case. They join because they want to have a career. And when that gets derailed and when it exhausts all possible resources, they, uh, understandably, people, people will walk away. For me, it wasn't just losing my band members. I, it was like losing my family. I mean, they were, they, they were like my siblings. I spent nearly every day with them, but uh, they, they all walked away, and that was probably probably the most difficult thing. Um, on top of that, even though I had attorneys who were working pro bono, there's still these just overwhelming court expenses that I was responsible for. So, I mean, it, it, it drained me and, and put me at almost the brink of bankruptcy. It, now, the Supreme Court case itself, you did end up winning it uh, on, on First Amendment grounds. You had this unanimous decision in your favor, but you know, I'm, I'm curious, again, going back to what you said earlier about if, if you had known everything that this was going to, you know, like take for you to accomplish, would you have done it still? I think if I was who I was when I started the band, probably not. I don't think I was the, there yet. But knowing what I know now, I, I, I most definitely would, because I found out that the law was you know, being used to discriminate against people with, with views that were a bit too radical. And when you when you think about it and you, you really think about who reappropriates language, you realize it's primarily marginalized communities, people of color and people from the LGBTQ community. And almost in any other context, when we realize that we put this disproportionate burden on these communities, we would say that's wrong, especially for something that's designed to protect consumers to begin with. It's not even like a, you know, it, it doesn't deal with safety or anything like that. It deals with like commerce. So it's like, why can't we do this basic thing that affords dignity to these communities? And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I went through it. I'm, I'm glad that I, that I was able to win, even though it was this long, uh, difficult and exhausting process uh, because it had to be done. And again, you're going to be talking at the Henry Ford uh, this Saturday, uh, November 9th at 2 p.m. Now that the band is done, you recently played your last show in your hometown of Portland. Uh, what's what's next for you? You know, I, I'm not quite sure uh, what's going to happen on, in terms of like my personal career, but I can say that um, you know my my capacity, my resources, and focus is really going to be going towards any nonprofit that our band founded. So we started the Slants Foundation. We just got our all our tax approval work uh, a few months ago, um, but we're now raising money to provide scholarships and mentoring to artists of color who want to incorporate a bit of activism into their work. People who have unconventional approaches to to social issues, but who want to use art to speak to those issues. And so I'm really really excited about this, and I can't wait to like be able to put more of my energy and focus into that.
Amanda LeClaire talking with Simon Tam. Simon Tam, after a long battle, got a favorable ruling from the Supreme Court. He is going to speak about that interesting journey at the Henry Ford Museum. Again, that's going to be this Saturday.